welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. A little later than usual, but that's because we've got so much stuff to talk about today. Hi, I'm Ann Stickney. I'm the host for tonight. Rossi is not here because, as we mentioned last week, he's out at BlizzCon doing the BlizzCon thing. So instead, I've got like a whole group of other people from Blizzard Watch with me. First up, you know him from Lore Watch already. It would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello. Did you know that I ran out of tinfoil today and I have to go buy more? So I have a hat ready for our next recording. And then there was silence. You broke it. I think Anne broke. <laughs> Did I break? Uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was my fault. I think I muted myself. Look, guys, it's been a really, really long day. Anyway, um, so yeah, we've also got with us Rochelle. Hey, say, Rochelle, say hi. Hi, I'm Rochelle. And how are you doing? Tired. Has it been a long day for you, too? It feels even longer when I'm not at BlizzCon somehow. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> also with us is Deb. Say hello, Deb. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, I'm being yelled at by the cats, but um, I'm doing okay. I just periodically mute myself, turn around, tell them to shut up. All right, then. I thought I heard a little bit of a kitty there. Anyway, and also with us, of course, if you've been watching Blizzard Watch's streams, you're familiar with Ted. Hey, Ted. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Long day? Oh, yeah. A long, long, fun day. Uh, really, uh, really had a... We had so many announcements today because, of course, we did. It's BlizzCon. So what we're going to do with this show is we're just going to kind of briefly go over the really major points that hit. It's kind of a first impressions of BlizzCon and everything else. Um, we're going to try and keep it to an hour. We're going to try. We'll do our best, but... If we go over, please don't hold it against us, folks. But first up, I want to talk about the thing that, like, pretty much it led the whole convention. It led the whole convention. It was the first thing we saw in the opening ceremonies, and that's Diablo 4. Finally. Oh, my gosh. You guys, what did you think about that, the cinematic and everything else? So I'm going to go ahead and, and say, oh, man. Uh, that was absolutely gorgeous. And not only that, but the trailer for the Druid as well. Uh, that little extra bit that they threw in was fantastic because I don't know about everybody else, but I have been begging, pleading, screaming to the Aether for the Druid class to be brought back into the modern Diablo game. And I finally got it. And I let out a scream so loud when they announced it that I think I scared my dog into panic farting. <laughs> Did you see Rossi's um, overview of the whole thing? Because he went, he actually got to play it. And from oh, what yeah. I from what I heard from Rossi, this is very much it's a return to the dark Diablo that we're more familiar with with Diablo and Diablo 2. Um, it's really grim and I'm really excited about that. What the rest of you guys think? Ted, what do you think of, of, about, you know, the cinematic and also the fact that, hey, we're finally getting another Diablo game? The cinematics team just continues to absolutely blow me away with the quality the the art the the music the direction the animation i mean it's just absolutely incredible and i'm just uh, i'm really excited for everybody who's a big diablo fan who's, who's been waiting for ted you dropped off there are you okay oh yeah yeah that's i was yeah just uh i'm really excited uh for everybody who's you know been looking forward to diablo for a long time it's not a game that i've played a ton so you know i'm, I'm kind of happy for the fans uh, because it's just not something that I've done a ton of. You've got some other games that you're really fascinated with, and that's okay, because we're going to let you talk about those in a minute. But first off, Rochelle, what did you think? Well, I never really played Diablo much, but... Did gosh, you play 3 at all, or no? Yes, I played 3, so I know a little bit of it. But that cinematic just blew me away. Like, just the way it was done, and how awesome it looked, and you could really get a feel for, like, the gravity of the situation, and I don't know. I looked up Lilith as soon as the cinematic was done, and it looks really awesome. And Deb, what did you think about it all? I, too, am one of those people who really hasn't found a place in Diablo. I played it when it was when it first came out, and it just didn't hold my interest. But what I was thinking when he walked out onto that stage, and they're leading off with Diablo was what happened last year and how bad I felt for people who were Diablo fans and how 
botched that whole thing was and how we haven't heard things and how we we struggled all year to find something exciting for Diablo. And whoa. Do you think this totally made up for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm kind of surprised. I have to... I'm not sure that I would, here we go, talking over each other. I'm not sure that I would go play Diablo, but I felt so good for those people who have waited so long for this. This this was incredible. I think what I find kind of interesting is that they didn't make any mention of Diablo Immortal at all. Like, it wasn't wasn't spoken of in the opening ceremonies, like, at all whatsoever. I mean, I'm not overly surprised with how visceral the reaction was last year. And I mean, even even and I will admit that I was definitely part of the problem last year with my first initial blush at it. After thinking about it, I was definitely cooled down a bit, but Mm -hmm. it was bad. It was bad. And so I think they understood that and they needed I think they knew that they needed to lead with what everybody wanted. They needed to lead with a very strong representation for Diablo and this led like a love letter to the series. They so. didn't even they didn't even introduce it. They just boom, there yep. it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that I think was that made more of an impression on me who's not a Diablo player that it was, oh, okay, here comes this guy and boom, we are right into this. And hey fans, we're really sorry. But look what we've got for you. I hope you like it. It, it it was just so powerful, so powerful. I think what I really enjoyed about it was, well, <laughs> I hate saying this. It Rossi and I, Rossi and Joe and I, we were talking last weekend on Lore Watch, and one of the things we were talking about was what we were thinking the next Diablo game was going to be about. And Rossi nailed it. He talked about Lilith. Oh, yeah. He talked about he talked about all of that. If you guys uh listening, if you want to know more about Lilith, if you want to know more about the history of Diablo and kind of not necessarily what's going on, but maybe some of the underlying motivations for what's going on, listen to last week's lore watch because Rossi really like he nailed it. And I, one more thing. Yeah. And read the Sinwar books because yes. those are gonna those are gonna be really important if you are interested at all in Diablo 4 and the lore that's going on there because that's where a lot of this stuff starts. Yeah, there's there's a lot of information there to go over and there's a lot of info. Diablo is kind of a, one of those lore heavy part lore heavy series anyway. Um so we're going to go ahead and move on here though. Uh and, and I guarantee you Rossi's going to have so much stuff to say about Diablo in the next several lore watches so you guys don't need to worry about that. But uh the other one of the other franchises that had some major announcements well one really big major announcement and then another one that was really unexpected that was Hearthstone and Ted I want you to talk about this because you're more familiar with Hearthstone than I think any of us you stream it regularly um I know there's the new there's the next chapter that's coming out but I want to know more about this battlegrounds thing (laughs) can you tell us like fill us in on that because I was working on something else when they were going over all the details with that we can't hear you Ted so when I first saw them starting to talk about Battlegrounds and eight players, I'm like, oh my goodness, they finally did it. They gave us tournament, which they didn't. But that was my initial blush was because people have been asking for tournament mode forever for Hearthstone. So what this is, is I don't know if you're familiar with a game called Auto Chess, but it's sort of a Hearthstone-y kind of take on this Auto Chess. And it brings in this character that they've been they've introduced in Rise of Shadows, and then he was also in Saviors of Doom, this bartender Bob, who's just a great little character, and, and he lets you kind of customize your deck when you're going through the single-player adventures and stuff. And so it's eight players, and you go with Bob, and you're recruiting men, and you're choosing heroes, and the heroes have different powers, and they do different things to the minion. And then it is sort of like a tournament, because you face off against one of the other eight players. And then you have out of that, you have four winners. And then you go through another round with Bob of upgrading your deck and upgrading your mini. And then those four get down to two and then two eventually gets down to one. And then you have the winner. So it looks like a really, it's the first new mode that's been introduced in Hearthstone probably since release. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, Tavern Brawl, Tavern Brawl was, was introduced. Yeah, that's true. Brawl came later, but still, this is like major too, because it's eight players. I mean, you start did, did they say anything about whether or not you can is it automatic are the eight players do you just queue up for it and you get put with eight other people or can you form a group and go in with eight 
So there, there, there's, there's two ways. Basically, most people will queue up and it uses your, your AMR to try to group you with people of similar rank of rank or, or skill. But then you can also create a, a private one where you can invite people to, to a private one. I, I'm not sure if you've got to be at a uh, fireside gathering for that or if that's something that'll be just in the general client. But it's not like most people will just be queuing up and masked up by AMR. Well, considering that this feature, the beta for this feature, it comes out on the 5th, correct? Yes. Okay. And I, well, it actually comes out on Tuesday if, uh, I believe, if you had a virtual ticket. I'll have to double check that. that may not yeah, be right. it's the 5th. Okay, yeah. Okay. If, I'm wondering if we could, like, get eight people from Blizzard Watch to try and go to it. <laughs> That'd be great. We could maybe maybe on the stream Tuesday we could we could get a, a Blizzard Watch team together and try. I don't you know. know Maticus is Maticus has been talking about it since he heard about it. So I, know. I think it'd be easier than you. And I'm I'm terrible at Hearthstone, but I mean, if it's on beta or whatever, I could give it a shot. It 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 just it looked like something that was really really. It's like oh wow, you got PUBG in my Hearthstone. You got Fortnite in my Hearthstone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not quite those, but it it is really. It's like it, the first it's thing. It's the I last was man Tetris. standing thing, really. That 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 got me. Yeah, kind of Tetris ninety nine a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, do you want to tell us a little bit about the next? Uh, well, it's is it expansion or adventure? Is do they call it an adventure? So there, so it's an expansion. But each expansion now in Hearthstone comes with a standalone single player. Okay. That single player adventure will generally come out a month after the right. Hearthstone expansion comes. So this year, what we call in Hearthstone the Year of the Dragon, they've been doing this this year long continuing story. So the, you have the Rise of Shadows, which introduced the League of Evil, which is the bad guy. Yeah, and then you had Saviors of Old Doom, which introduced the good guy, and now we fight with oh, the biggest boy. air battle in the history of, of Warcraft over over the Dragonblight Temple uh, in, in or the Wormrise Temple in Dragonblight. Black. I got it messed up. So it's been called the Year of the Dragon, and there have been like four dragons released in the entire year. And I was like, "Where are they? Well, they are everywhere in this set." This set is so how does dragon. This, how does the set work? Is there like a, a a new mechanic or anything like that with it? Or so basically, the league of, the League of Evil and the uh, League of Explorers are the two the good guys and the bad guys. Each of them, each of the characters in those groups, kind of maps to a class. Like Doctor Boom is a warrior, Elise is a druid. So the five League of Evil classes are all going to be based around this guy called Galacron. Galacron. <laughs> Okay. I know all about Galacron. Galacron was the original progenitor of dragons, supposedly. But um, if you read Dawn, is it Dawn of the Aspects? Dawn, Dawn of, the of the Aspects. aspects. Yeah, yep. it's a it's a short story that explains the origin of the dragon flights. Galacron was this gigantic dragon. You can still see part of his skeleton in the dragon blight. He's that big skeleton that's sitting on the ground. Um Basically, what happened was he flew around, ate his own kind, and then grew little pieces and made them all. And it it was a really unsettling story. Necrotic pieces. Big necrotic zombie dragon, horrible, horrible thing. And when they showed his card, I about flipped out because, yeah, that was not one that I expected to see in Hearthstone. Anyway, continue, Ted. So the, the five classes of the League of Evil, they are trying over the course of the Hearthstone game to resurrect Gal. Maybe huh. not the best idea. A theory we talked about before in other games. Interesting. <laughs> we talked about so, that on more watch too. <laughs> so Galacron's a hero card, and based on what class you're in, he does different for priest, he does more control value-based kind of thing. In Warlock, he he summons demons. It's just kind of based on but there's a new a keyword, a new mechanic called invoke. And when you play these cards or spells or minions, they have invoke, they they level up Galacron. So he starts out as Galacron, I don't remember. Then he becomes Galacron the Apocalypse. And then he becomes, and I think there, there's a lore watch kind of angle here. He becomes Galacron Azeroth Inn. Yeah, that's like the level four one, isn't it? Yeah. So each time he does something, like the rogue version of Galacron draws cards. The priest version of Galacron destroys minions. Well, at level one, you get one card or you destroy one minion. At level two, it's two. At, le- at the final level, his final form he destroys four. So it just kind of levels up as you go through. And is that, you have to play him to make that happen. But from what I understand, when you use invoke, it powers him up, even if he's not on the board or in your hand yet. 
Right. It's like the old Cthulhu mechanic from the Whispers of the Old God expansion. Whether yeah. he's still in your deck or in your hand or been played and actually become, he's still going to get the upgrade. Gotcha. Okay. That sounds really cool. So when you said that the League of Heroes and the League, or excuse me, the League of Explorers and the, is it Legion of Doom? Legion of Evil? League of Evil. League of Evil. I want to... <laughs> League of Evil. Um, when you said that they kind of uh, embody various classes, does that mean that they are replacing the heroes in Hearthstone? Or it's just, oh, well, this character kind of represents a druid. This character kind of represents this other thing. So in the Boomstay project, you had the uh, the Dr. Boom hero card. He can actually replace your hero. Right. Uh, Rise of Shadows gave you the Hagatha card. She's another member, um, and she can replace your hero. So some of them can. Um, Togwaggle doesn't. He's just a regular legendary minion. So it just depends. Okay. Gotcha. All right. I'm really excited to see how this all plays out. So did they give an announce or they, they did give like a release date for this, didn't it? Was it like December 10th or something yeah. like that? Yeah. December 10th. Yep. Yep. Okay. And that's when the first mode comes out, but adventure mode's probably not going to come out until what? Base, yeah, three, three to four weeks after the, okay. the deck is released. Then just they'll do the, the single. Yeah, just given the holiday, I'm kind of expecting January. And they're going to do something a little different. The first two adventures have been very dungeon run, where it's something we, we've done in other ways. You kind of build your deck up as you go along. What they're talking about with this one is more of a linear um, boss fight, similar to uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne or even maybe Black Rock Mountain, which implies you're building you're building a deck. Uh, beforehand, which hasn't been done in quite a while. So they didn't say that, but I'm very curious to see if deck building is going to become part of the single player. That would be something completely different and actually kind of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing if that becomes a thing. Okay, we're going to jump to the next item on the list here because I'm dying to talk about this. Overwatch 2. Guys, Overwatch is coming out with a story mode game, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I can't even... Um... I've been wanting them to do this forever. I've been wanting them to do this since I saw that first cinematic for Overwatch, like way back when. There were two things that I wanted. Number one, a story mode. Number two, an animated series. We're getting one of those things. (laughs) But it's also including a lot of cinematics, so I'm happy about that too. Um, What did you guys think about Overwatch 2? Because I... Okay, as somebody who doesn't play Overwatch a ton, because honestly, I'm not very good at that kind of... um, fast-paced pvp combat and i don't really want to bring anybody's rankings down so usually when i play i tend to stick to playing with my friends where it doesn't really count and won't really hurt anybody's rank if i'm terrible but i want to i want to hear from you guys is this something that you'd be are you playing overwatch right now and is this something you'd be interested in playing rochelle you go first well I don't play Overwatch because I play on a Mac and they decided not to make Overwatch for Mac. But the story is the one thing for Overwatch that I do follow. And I think it might have been in Crow's piece that he wrote mentioned that Overwatch never really progressed the story past the present time. Like all it ever dealt with was maybe some past things. So the thing I'm interested in with Overwatch 2 is seeing that story progress further rather than just seeing snippets of the past. Absolutely. Um, Ted, how much do you play Overwatch? Do you play it at all? And is this is is story mode Overwatch something that you're more or less likely to play? So I play Overwatch a little bit. I actually play more with my with my uh, not. And um, we're really uh, interested in the single player mode. He loves to play Hammond. It, it's amazing watching him play. But the what we're interested in is is Overwatch Two going to be coming on the Switch because that's where yes, you know, it's coming Overwatch, out on all. It's coming out on all consoles that it's currently out on. Because Overwatch on the Switch didn't have the best reception in it, and I wonder if Overwatch Two being more PVE kind of focus will be you know, a better. Um, fit for the switch i think that's what my son's really looking at as far as you know playing it on the switch i think on that front too they did say that there's going to be a brand new engine being introduced with this version as well yeah uh so with knowing what i know about when overwatch was first created in the engine it has 
and what games are being ported over to the Switch now, it is very likely that the new engine will be able to be optimized better anyway for the Switch. And like you said, that PvE focus, I think, is going to be something that plays better with that integration as well. Yeah, because one thing that's really hard right now is for me and my son to play together because he has to use a really, really and we kind of we're kind of excited about the idea of us playing together on the switch so that you know my uh, my bastion can kind of watch over his his ham and then we can really uh, lay down some heart i'm pretty sure i, I want to say i don't know if it's a brand new engine but it's like an updated engine at the very least they did mention that things were going to be updated for overwatch 2 i'm not sure how much but it's it's definitely there is an upgrade involved and i think that that should help with like switch performance you would think anyway um see that's interesting because they, they've mentioned and maybe they they clarified it during the the overwatch panel but like they definitely have said like new engine at least once or twice okay even coming up to- i think i heard jeff say upgraded i want to hmm? say i said I mean, I think- either way i'm fine with it yeah, either way, I think it's probably going to perform better on the Switch. Um, that was the big thing with the Switch was Overwatch, it's a wonderful game and it plays really well on other consoles and everything, but the Switch is kind of an entirely different animal, I think, in terms of controls and how it plays and the frame rates in particular, because um, your frame rates are way more limited on the Switch than they are on, say, you know, Xbox, PS4, that kind of thing, or even just the PC. Um, I skipped over deb entirely so deb what did you think about overwatch 2 that's okay um i like rachel i um i play on a mac and so when overwatch came out five years really yeah five years he he stood there and he said five years and i'm thinking no that can't be right but he would know (laughs) i remember the announcement um so overwatch is not something that I play unless I go visit my daughter and um, I am so bad (laughs) I have never been good at first person shooters Um, and this goes way way back to I played Goldeneye with the kids the kids would show up at my house and I'd come and there would be (laughs) A room full of teenagers, high schoolers, in my living room. And come on, you can play Goldeneye. And we had a rule. I would go to the bathroom, and that's where I'd stay. And they could go kill each other. And whoever won would then come try and get me. And I always lost. But the thing that has always been attractive about Overwatch is you have these little character reveals. And the way that they've done these characters is... Just like you're writing a screenplay, you show up after the action starts and you leave before the action ends. So what you've got are these characters that you know have this huge story and we're only seeing a part of it. Yeah. And it's really that compelling story that has drawn a lot of people to the game. I think what for me, what really hit me about this, and I mean, I've said this before, um, on the Blizzard Watch podcast, I think I've said it on Lore Watch too, is that there's an audience out there that doesn't play Overwatch, but they follow the story. Every time they release a cinematic, they're there. Every time they release a comic, they're there because they find these characters so fascinating and they find this story so engaging, even though the game isn't necessarily something that they want to play. Blizzard well, just introduced... Blizzard just introduced a game that they want to play. Right. And and let's talk about visually stunning. Oh, yeah. I remember the reveal of Overwatch. And we watched these characters fall through a museum ceiling. And, hey, this is cool. Wow, this is great. And then you look at that same Winston, and it's it's almost night and day how much more there is there simply because technology has improved. It was just visually stunning to watch the cinematic today. And Joe, obviously, I mean, I know how you feel about this, but go ahead and give us your thoughts. 
Yeah, so I've poured hundreds of hours into the original game, uh, and I'm a super fan of shooters and team-based games in general. So this has been right up my alley. I've been just begging for story mode. I've wanted something to progress with sort of a PvE flair in-game since the game was announced, and I'm finally getting it. So I'm super excited. Like, this is going to be... I am probably going to be in a very dark room on comms with a bunch of friends uh, the day that this is available, just going to town. So I'm super excited. I'm really, I'm excited for a lot of the things too, like Deb said with, you know, the way things are looking, how things have progressed. And I think part of that too is not just the technology has progressed, but you can see that they're, they've learned how to master their engine, their creation tools that they were using for this game with every passing year. And now they're translating that into Overwatch 2, and it's just glorious. Like, I'm, I'm super excited. Like, it can't get here soon enough. I think what really appeals to me about it is how they were talking about it, and they were talking about um, how it's going to work with the first Overwatch. Because the thing is, is is they they keep keep kept using the phrase redefining what a sequel means, and I and I think they're really trying to do that here. If you're currently playing Overwatch and you're enjoying the PvP, and you just want want the new maps that are going to be in Overwatch Two, and you want to play like the new mode that's going to be in Overwatch Two, you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to do that right out the gate. Basically what it sounds like, and I don't know if this has been confirmed either way or not because we haven't heard everything there is to hear about Overwatch 2 as of yet, but what it sounds like is Overwatch 2 is there for those players that didn't purchase Overwatch because they didn't want to play a first-person shooter. It's there for them. It's there for the people who just want to play those story modes and aren't really interested in the PvP. Yeah, PvP is still part of the game. It's always been a part of the game. It's always going to be a part of the game. But this includes those new modes so that they have something they can log on and play that isn't necessarily that whole first-person shooter thing that maybe not everybody is comfortable with playing. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, my hand's in the air. I'm terrible at it, too. I have a lot of fun doing it, but I'm not good at it. (laughs) Not even a little. (laughs) So I'm really excited to see how this goes. I'm also really excited to see how the story goes. Um, Obviously, there are going to be new heroes involved. They already mentioned Sojourn. They mentioned Echo. Um, I don't know who else is on the plate there, but I'm hoping for some of those early Overwatch characters like Liao. We still don't know who Liao is, um, but supposedly one of the founders of Overwatch. Are they around? Are they alive? Are they dead? Are they a man, a woman? We don't know. We still don't know. But I'm hoping that maybe that'll be addressed. And obviously, I'm hoping that a lot of this stuff involving the new Omnic crisis and everything that's going on, the resurgence with the Omnics, um, all of the attacks that have been going on, even that attack that they saw in Paris with that gigantic Omnic, that big mech. I mean, I I want to see more about all of it. Um, one thing, I, I don't know if it's it's derogatory, but the first time the uh, the robot showed up and that, that big guy showed up, I thought, Overwatch and Transformers. Wow, we're hitting everything here. Listen, kind of. as a as a fan of Transformers, as I look at the shelves in the city in front of me filled with them, <laughs> I'm fine with it. Me too. I thought, oh, wow, look at this. What's it going to transform down into that? Is it a tank? Is it? But it was, wow, look at this thing. Spanky Hunter in the chat channel says that it also has the Incredibles feel. And yeah, it does, kind of, sort of. I can't wait to see more about this. I can't wait to see it in beta. I, I... I am just itching to get into that beta if there is a beta because I want to I just want to absorb every second of this. I mean, I I feel like it's something that's I'm going to enjoy so much. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go ahead and move on because we've got another thing to talk about here and this is the big one. World of Warcraft, Shadowlands. Joe, I'm just going to let you go for a little bit here. Go for it. Kermit GIF flailing all over the place (laughs) uh so i love when we're right about things i really really do uh but i'm super excited for this everything that's been leading up to this everything that we've been getting these little snippets for and now the confirmation has been absolutely fantastic folks we are going into the shadowlands we are going into a realm between life and death that apparently 
has separate realms inside of it, which is something we've never known before. Not not like continents. These are different planes of existence within the Shadowlands. There is an entire hierarchy here. There is an entire cycle. And one thing that I picked up on that has made me super, super excited, they keep referring to it as the engine of death. Ooh, yes, there's going to be so many things to pick up on here. I am so excited. I I can't wait for any of this. I I I am so excited right now about everything that I saw in that trailer, but in particular, can we talk about that cinematic because that cinematic was just insane. I thought there was there was a split second, there was the tiniest second where I thought Sylvanas was going to put that thing on her head. And I think you and everybody else who didn't know what was coming because I had the same thought <gasps> she's going to pick it up and she's going to put it on Lich Queen. Oh. this is the thing that I loved about that because I had that same thought too and then what did we talk about last weekend we said what if the helm is a key instead of just the source of power Yeah. and then she shatters it and everything starts shattering around the veil this thin piece of like protection from these other realms starts shattering and I'm just sitting there I'm giggling like when this is happening I'm sitting here just losing my mind and I'm screaming Sylvanas you have done it you have done it you have given me everything I've wanted my dog then reacts because her name is also Sylvanas but I was blown away and then getting to see the crashing of those worlds together. Oh my goodness. I was particularly tickled with the fact that they opened the what's next panel with a shot of the chart from the Chronicle books. <laughs> as soon as they did, I'm like, ah, cause yeah. Um, I, I think for me, what really fascinated me there was that whole showdown between Sylvanas and Bolvar. And I, it's really funny because, like, when we were talking on Lore Watch, again, you guys, if you didn't listen to Lore Watch last week because you were avoiding spoilers or whatever, go back and listen to it now because it's weird how much we pegged. But one of the things that I said was that I thought that this was going to be a, like a Sylvanas versus Bolvar thing. <laughs> and, well, they had the showdown. They had the showdown in the first cinematic for the thing. Um, and it did not go the way that I thought it was going to go at all. So I'm kind of fascinated to see where that goes. But the the other thing that I'm I'm just, I can't believe she broke it. I can't believe she broke it. And on Twitter, I said this on Twitter. I don't think I said this in the chat channel. I don't think I did. Um, but what I said on Twitter was, Guess who told Sylvanas to break the helm? Because I don't think she got that information by herself. I yeah. think I think that Helia told her to do it. I think that yeah. Helia told her to do it because Helia wants out of the Shadowlands. And what better way to get out than to rip it wide open? Well, I don't. Well, here's the thing. I think it's deeper than that. And I think this goes back to something further that we talked about before. And we're going to be talking about this again on Sunday, folks. Trust me. So much. Um, <laughs> but we go back to the Hellion Odin thing. And this is the thing that I was keen on. Odin made a deal with something in the Shadowlands. Helia not only made that deal, she's the one that helped create the elemental planes. Where did she learn to make planes from? Because it yeah. sure wasn't the Titans. It, no other Titan creation, no other, no other Titan construct knows how to do that. Where are there a ton of planes, infinite planes that we just now discovered? Oh, the Shadowlands. Huh. Man, what if she was talking with the Jailer the entire time and that was the plan? What has she been tapping into all this time? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and then taking it even further back, what if the Lich King's Helm was tapping into the power of the Jailer as he was secured away and now that it's shattered, that's what's causing him to do this? What if that was the plan all along from the very, very beginning? Yeah, and Sylvanas is just kind of like a pawn in all of this almost. I still, I feel like Helia is somehow involved with this because the thing is, is like they would not put that little tiny quest piece in there in Battle for Azeroth. They wouldn't put that little fragment in there and bring up that Helia is still around unless she's got another role to play. And I feel like in an expansion like this, oh yeah, she's probably got a role to play somewhere. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Um, but that's just like the tip of the iceberg, though. That cinematic was just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much coming in Shadowlands. The fact that alts are going to be able to play essentially on a new game plus mode, that's going to be fascinating. Um, Rochelle, do you want to talk a little bit about that? 
I actually missed that part because I was paying more attention to all the zone write-ups and stuff. <laughs> then tell us about the zones since you were working on that. The zones. Oh my gosh, the zones. I I love the zones, how pretty they are, and like all the different things that they encapture. You go into one zone, and it seems like the perfect zone for paladins. You go into other zone where you can just live out your goth fantasies, and they are so different and just beautiful and what they actually remind me of are all those little portals that we went through when we landed on Argus yeah they do don't they especially Ardenweald yeah oh, they yeah. do don't they Ooh. see that's a little interesting kind of think about that I need to go back and look around there now that I'm thinking about it cool <laughs> so you just started a wheel turning that's very good Rochelle <laughs> job here is done. We're going to be chewing on that one for a while, and we'll probably talk about it on Sunday. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the four di different zones, it's like four different covenants, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, four different covenants, and then, um, so there's I think kind of act like the leveling zones, and then you have the max level zone, which is the very scary place that no one ever escapes from. Ooh, so we're going to have to escape from there, obviously. And then we have the uh, the trade hub, which is where the Arbiter lives, and that's very interesting. Ooh, I just had another brain moment, Joe. Joe. Well, lay it on me. Joe, in the deaths of Chromie scenario. I was I went to the same place earlier today. I started talking about it. Oh, I cannot wait. I have so many theories about that now. That how that's many, the other thing. How many this... groups were after Chromie? Four. Yup. Oh. And 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 what is Chromie? The one current bronze dragon who has made it a point that she she will help us the heroes go back in time to fix things mm -hmm. the other ones don't do that at all nope. nope she's the only one so if you kill her oh i'm sorry well i guess you can't go back the, the bronze dragon flight's got their own problems to worry about chromie's not around well guess our plans keep moving it's perfect oh my gosh um so that's a thing maybe i don't know but <laughs> Oh, I love it when we go off on tangents. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to do that on this podcast. I'm real tired, folks. We've been working really hard today. And actually, I wanted to thank all of you while you were on the show here um, for, number one, showing up for the show because we are running really late. But also, thank you guys for like all the hard work we put in today because, man, that was a lot. Uh, so continuing on with Battle for Azeroth, one of the other things that I'm really excited about, and honestly, it made my jaw drop when I saw it, was uh, the new character customization that they're putting in for Ian said the original WoW races so I'm mm -hmm. assuming that just means the vanilla ones but at the same time um, I believe it was Wowhead. Wowhead was had an interview with them, and they told Wowhead that there was going to be an option for Draenei tail links. So maybe it's going to yes. be like the original plus Burning Crusade models. They're going to get new customization options. I'm not sure how far it goes, but we need to talk about these because number one, the undead. I'm not surprised about the undead. Uh, undead without bones showing have been available in Asia for forever. Um, they had to put that in when the game started. It was the same thing. Um, just because you can't, I guess, showing bones is, is considered bad out there, which is why you don't see piles of bones on the ground. And I'm sure everybody's seen that infamous screenshot of Undasta surrounded by tiny gravestones. Those tiny gravestones are what pop up after you die out there. Um, so... That model has been available for the longest time. It's just, we're going to get that model now over here. So if you don't want to play a Forsaken that has their bones showing, you'll be able to do that. The trolls are going to get all kinds of tattoos, body paint, new hair colors, new hairstyles. The dwarves, you can make your dwarf look like a wild hammer finally. Oh um, my god, yes. Yes, I've been yeah. screaming about that for years. Thank you. Uh, Goblin Graphics in the chat channel points out it's only in China. Thank you, Goblin Graphics. Okay, so in China, that's what they had to do was they put the gravestones in. And yeah, all because that they can't stuff. have they can't have bones and skulls. It's not like the entirety of Asia; it's just one country. Anyway, um, beyond that, though, the human race, uh, guys, did you see that screenshot? Those I am. Faces. 
I am so blown away. It's it's like about time that they did something like this. I mean, I would have been happy with just like a new selection of hairstyles, but they went so far above and beyond anything that I expected. When that when that shot, that camera shot showed up, my jaw dropped. I was just shocked that they decided that they just threw it in there. So people will be able to change like their ethnicity pretty much. It's like you'll be able to make you look like you no matter who you are. And for me, that's really important. And I love the fact that they finally, 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 this game is 15 years old. It took 15 years to do this. But oh my gosh, they're doing it. Um, what did you guys think about that? Ted, about go time. ahead. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I have two requests that I hope we get to see as these in these these customizations go further. One, I want to see the Kaltiran body types be available to base humans. I want to be a fat man if I can, because that's me. Um, I also want to see um, some more. This is going to sound weird, um, but I want to see something like leans a little more into the Latino side of things as well. And if they give me both of those things, I will just heap praise upon them. <laughs> okay, uh, Deb, you were going to say something. Go ahead. I have friends who started in classic and played through BC and played through wrath, but they were never able to make themselves, make their human characters look even remotely like themselves. And that for them, that was an appeal of a game was you have this avatar that you can customize within reason to make it sort of you. And I was looking at that and thinking, Okay, X, 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 X. Do I send them that screenshot and say, welcome back? But I, I, they cut to audience members at that point who had the same reaction that I think a lot of us did. Our jaws dropped open and it was, whoa, it's about freaking time. And I don't know if uh, not, Ian it had a throwaway line um, that, well, the technology is finally here that we can do things like that. And looking at the Torgash or Torgath, gassed, it's late. Um, and what they're going to be able to do with that dungeon. And here we have representations of people as they really look. So if you want to take your character yourself, because we, we tend to identify very much with our main characters into this world you you now can is it simply because the technology has caught up if so i, I think, think he was just be being really sarcastic I, I think he was being very sarcastic with it because honestly with all the mmos that are out there uh this is one of the last ones to really start doing this but other ones have been doing it for years so technology is blizzard driving the technology no i wouldn't say that they are no i mean i mean so much of what we saw today, I mean, the Warcraft 3 reforging, I mean, that, the Sylvanas, all of the cinematics that we've had for Battle of Azeroth. I mean, she arrives at the frozen throne. And at first, I wasn't sure if that was really her foot <clears throat> in that opening. And then she walks and there's that puff of black. And I remember when puffs like that were impossible for them to do. Oh, yeah. Like there's definitely truth in that, right? There, the technology is definitely advanced in all of these circumstances and it allows them to do more. And I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that the new technology has enabled them to do more and do many of the things that they've wanted to do for years. I, I think Ian was kind of trying to backhand acknowledge that this was something yeah. that they should have done years and years and years and, and years ago. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I say this, like somebody brought this up in, in, in chat, City of Heroes. City of Heroes released at the same time as WoW Vanilla back in the day. And you could do the exact same things then with an engine that was built in 2004. So it's, I, I would agree with Anne. I think it was a backhanded way of acknowledging they should have done it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so Ted, what did you think about the, uh, about the customization aspects of everything? Well, like Jill, I've, I've wanted, I've, I've RP'd my hunter as a wild hammer pretty much. And so to finally, you know, let him look like he's always been like, you know, to really look like a wild hammer is, is, 
is is quite exciting to me. It's, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to changing him up. For me, I think that, and, and I said this in the piece that I wrote, through the advent of stuff like the barbershop and especially transmog, um, it's been made pretty clear that people like to play with how their characters look. And the more customization you throw in, the happier people are going to be. So I'm really excited that they've decided to throw this aspect of the game in there and, and really ramp it up in terms of letting people do things with their characters that weren't necessarily possible when they first created them however many years ago, even, you know, if it wasn't day one. But still, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away. I think the models look fantastic so far. I want to see like the full spectrum, particularly of the human models. I want to see the full spectrum of what we're going to get. And I'm wondering when they're going to introduce this, if it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be in 3.5. I really don't. Um, but one thing that is going to be in 3.5 for people that pre-order Shadowlands, <laughs> everybody's going to be a Death Knight. Everybody could be a Death Knight. You want to play a Volpera Death Knight? You play a Volpera Death Knight. You want to play, oh, I don't know, a Nightborn Death Knight. Sure, go ahead. Make a death knight with whoever you want or whatever you want. Make it a panda. That'll be fine. And I can't wait to see that. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about was something that Deb touched on, which was uh, the endgame stuff that's going to be happening in the Shadowlands. There's this area called the Maw that we're going to be traveling to when we're max level and we are recommended not to go there. We won't, we won't be able to survive there if we're not max level. Um, what I found really fascinating about this was this part of the game sounds more like survival mode than anything else because there are no innkeepers. There is no place to hearthstone. There is no safe area there. There are going to be things coming to get you constantly and I'm kind of here for that. But the other thing that I'm also here for is the tower. What did, what was it called, Deb? The tower of... Torghast. T-O-R-G-H-A-S-T. Okay, so the power... article, I, ca- I wrote it three different ways before uh-huh. finally having to go look it up because I couldn't remember. Okay, so the Tower of Torghast, the way that this works is you'll be able to go in with a group of friends if you want to. You can take four people with you if you want to, or you could go in there by yourself. And it works like a roguelike kind of every time you go in it's going to be a little different every time you go in there's going to be other stuff to do it's not going to be the same map every time it's you're not going to run into the same rooms every time i am fascinated by this idea as somebody who likes to play solo a lot of the time um getting a dungeon that we can try and tackle solo to me that sounds like a super fun challenge and something that I'm totally up for um I mean of course I'd like to do it in a group if I can get a group together no problem but I'm just as excited by the idea of tackling that on my own because I do play a rogue and I have so many getaway buttons you know (laughs) I mean let me tell you when they said the word roguelike how Mm -hmm. my ears perked up I wasn't even watching at that point because I was doing I was writing something else i was writing the the death knight stuff and then i just snapped my attention because i looked at my steam library the other day and i think like 80 percent of it is nothing but roguelikes because i, know, I just right? love that type of gameplay and this is this is giving me my two addictions in one place yes please yeah um See, uh, go for it ted i would say as a guy who plays mostly tanks and and healers i'm just really really curious if i'm gonna have to go ret to do Well, see, that was the other fascinating thing that they brought up, is they're going to be focusing on the class, not the spec. Um, And with that, that involves bringing back some abilities or, like, unrestricting some abilities that were restricted to one spec over another, or even bringing back abilities that have maybe gone away over the years. Cough, cough, sentry totem. Anyway, um... (laughs) Bring back chain trapping. Chain trapping, sentry totem. Um, I would like eyes of the beast, please. I know that none of these things are actually like really super effective or anything. I just want to see them return because they were a beloved part of the glass that went away. Um... Anyway. Oh gosh, if we get exorcism back for this expansion. Oh boy. Uh, I don't know if we're good. You know what though? That almost kind of makes sense because if we're dealing with Scourge and if we're dealing with Undead mm-hmm. and things like that, that seems like an ability that they could bring back and it would be pretty fascinating. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do about this. Obviously, we're going to be learning more about this with tomorrow's panels because they are going to do a deep dive with World of Warcraft where they're going to talk more about the systems and everything that's going to be going on with it. And frankly, um, 
that's one of those panels that I'm going to be tuning in for immediately because oh, yeah. that kind of, yeah, I, there were a lot of things that Ian has kind of glossed over that I really wanted to know more about, but then he immediately followed it up with, and you'll be hearing more about that tomorrow. I'm like, okay, all right. Okay. So I think today, basically what today boiled down to was today was about the introduction of all of this new stuff. And tomorrow will be all about the nitty gritty details about all of this new stuff. Um, which I definitely want because we need more systems info. There's a lot of really cool stuff here that we don't know how it's going to work just quite. Yeah. And it's not just for World of Warcraft, though. That's for like all of the Across games. The board, I think yeah. all of the games are going to get more detail, more stuff shown, more more things explained in detail. And I'm really excited to see all of that happen. So I don't know about you guys. I, I don't know how you feel about BlizzCon so far, but I feel like this is the best one that we've had in a few years. I mean, I mean, I'm happy. I have no complaints. And that's the first time I've been able to say that in probably five years. Okay. Well, I think looking to tomorrow, I'm really interested because one of the big things people expected going to this BlizzCon was something about the faction dynamic. And we've heard nothing about that so far. I know, right? I'm kind of wondering if we're it's going to be all about the Covenants because they kept like bringing that up to the forefront a lot. And I'm wondering if the Covenants are going to supersede the class divide or the uh, faction. And a lot of people were, were making, you know, the Final Fantasy houses kind of analogy. with. Yeah, it does yeah. kind of feel like something along those same lines a little bit. Uh, Rochelle, what did you think? Or what did you think of today so far? Do you think this is like on par, better, worse than previous BlizzCons? I didn't think it was going to be as big as it was earlier this year when tickets went on sale. And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of seemed to align and all the stuff came together, and it turned out to be freaking huge. I knew they were going to announce a new WoW expansion. I just didn't realize the scope of what it would be, and I'm really excited to see what it entails. And I really hope they do get rid of the factions because, or not like get rid of factions, but at least make it so it doesn't affect gameplay, because if you could play with people cross-faction, that would fix the population problems on each side. Mm -hmm. I know, wouldn't it? I'm just kind of curious about how far they're going to go with that. And I know that there's this whole focus on covenants and things like that, where, you know, if you choose a covenant, um, you're pretty much playing with that covenant and it has its own storyline that happens, you know, even after Endgame. It's sort of like the war campaign, um, but maybe a little bit more detailed. And each covenant has like their own story. So you choose one, you play through that one and you get a unique experience. Then when you go back in with your carrot, with your alt, your alt starts out with covenant stuff unlocked with whatever they can they can pick one immediately they can level through stuff like they can pick their own way to level through stuff they'll have access to world quests immediately it's it's like new game plus for alts and i'm really excited by that too and i'm sure we're going to hear more about that tomorrow too uh deb what did you think about today do you think this blizzcon was probably one of the better ones that they've pulled out so far um i had i had concerns i um it October did not start out real well for Blizzard as a whole. And um they had to come they had to come with guns blaring, they had to come with a whole lot of stuff. And as primarily a World of Warcraft player, that's my love, that's what I do. Um to be excited about these other games because I know people who play them made this first day really almost overwhelming at times how much I, I can't keep tabs on all this information and and i want to tell people in my guild who play these other games you need to go look at this you need to go look at this well why do i need to do that i don't know just go do it it was quite the first day i am really interested in seeing the deep dive tomorrow um <clears throat> i have there are concerns that I still have about where certain things are going, and they may not be um, answered tomorrow. Um, but this was this was an amazing day, really an amazing day, just with all the reveals. There's one more thing I want to talk about um, before we wrap up here, and it's something that happened before even the opening ceremonies began. 
Um, obviously, Blizzard has had their fair share of contention in the last month, particularly with the Hearthstone situation and what happened with the player that got a suspension, pretty much. And Blizzard walked back on that a little bit. Um, they still kind of held their ground, but they walked back on that a little bit. Before the opening ceremony even started today, we had Jay Allen Brack come out on stage, and he gave a very public and very I felt like it was a very heartfelt apology for everything that happened um how did you guys feel about that do you do you think it was genuine because it felt genuine to me and it felt like they knew they messed up they knew that they messed up big and they were really sorry that they had messed up that big I was shocked frankly Uh, I was really shocked Uh, although maybe I shouldn't be because remember Mike Morheim um, came out during Gamergate um, and said, this is who we are, and the Blizzard community welcomes everyone, and we don't tolerate the kind of harassment that we saw with Gamergate. So maybe we shouldn't have been surprised, but I was shocked. Um, I do feel that it was genuine, um, but it was quite a surprise. Um, I, I honestly didn't think a big corporation would come out and say, hey, you know, we screwed up. I, I'm going to, I appreciate the words, but he said it in his apology. And I think this is going to be the tell of it. It's the actions that matter. So we're going to have to see how they act moving forward. And that will determine whether or not this was sincere. And I, I've met Jay Allen before in the past. He's a nice guy. He's super chill. And I believe that the apology was sincere, but I also understand that it's more than just a set of words. It's corpse making decisions and it's more than one person doing it. So if their decisions start to fall more in line with that, I'll be content. That's what I want to see. Yeah. And I I think that's kind of where I feel or where I stand on that. It felt like a really genuine apology and it, and it felt like he was really genuinely upset about what had happened and felt really terrible about what had happened and felt like it had been handled badly, but he didn't, do anything and and the thing is is like in that situation what can you do you know um everything they 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 dialed things back they gave the guy back his prize money they did what they felt like was appropriate in that situation but i I feel like the apology kind of topped off that as far as that was concerned but i'm still i don't know i'm gonna be i want to see what they're gonna do from here on out I like and, to say cautiously optimistic. Yeah, this the stuff that we saw introduced with the rest of BlizzCon, the 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 stuff that we saw, you know, with World of Warcraft, with the, like the new customization, that kind of thing. It, it just it it felt like okay, yeah, we are we are moving on the right track here. I think we're moving on the right track here. So it's it's still it's still a touchy subject, but I'm glad that he basically preempted the opening ceremony to address that issue because i think that i think that offering an apology like that was way 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 better than saying nothing at all you got anything to add to that ted rochelle well it kind of lends credence to our suspicion that it might have been the shanghai office who made the original decision Mm -hmm. and then that's when they kind of negotiated it back so i'm interested to see like you guys said, how they react in the future and if they're going to take more ownership of the decisions mm-hmm. rather than like their other office doing it. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Uh, you got anything to add, Ted? I think like Joe, it's a lot's going to depend on, on what's on what happens going forward. You know, it's, it's putting the words out there, but you know, the next time something happens, you know, one thing that, that I think gets overlooked is, 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 you know, Blizzard has a platform and, and, the people who who did this kind of you know hijacked that platform for a minute and i think there there's a there's something there's 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 an element to it there that you know because we agreed with what the people were saying you know we're like oh this is terrible but there's still the hijack of a platform there that i think has to be addressed there's i i think there's i think there's considerations to be made about that yeah but at the same time i i still feel that the original the original punishment that was meted out there was like way, way, way over the top. So I'm glad that they dialed it back. And like I said, I, I think that Brack coming out and basically preempting the entirety of BlizzCon to offer a heartfelt apology, that said a lot. Um, it said a lot. Now we're going to see where they go from here. Anyway, 
we're kind of running a little over time here so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here but we will be back tomorrow night with another podcast wrapping up the entirety of BlizzCon. So um, we're looking forward to those deep dives. We're looking forward to what's going to happen next. And we'll be running it all down tomorrow night. Uh, Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And I'd like to thank my wonderful set of co-workers for hopping in on the stream today. Rochelle, Deb, Ted, Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I don't know if we're going to see all of you tomorrow night, but I hope we do. <laughs> I have Dr. Pepper. I'll be here. Okay. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow night. 